0: But yeah, no, a a few weeks ago, um, I was invited to preach uh, at an old brethren church, and what was interesting, so before I preach, I have a routine, I get up extra early in the morning to kind of review through my sermon, um, and just, you know, go through stuff, spend time with God, and pray, Um, and this particular, ooh, that's a real, okay, okay. So on this particular Sunday, you know, <laughs> so I'm in my white shirt. I'm just in my boxes, busy walking around the house with the coffee in my hand and my sermon, busy going through. And for some reason, I'm busy walking around the corner and I completely stubbed my toe. But as I did that, the coffee went all over my beautiful white shirt and then all over my sermon. So I'm just like, what's going on, man? Like, this is my nice shirt. I wanted to wear this shirt. The Nile especially picked this shirt for me. She bought it for me. So I'm like, okay, cool. I've got another backup shirt, that is is not the best of quality, but it will fly. And so I'm like, cool, with my sermon, because I've got coffee over my sermon, even though it gives it a vintage look, I'm going to go to my printer and print off another copy. So then all this, so I'm going to go try and print it off, and my printer jams. So I couldn't print off, print off my sermon. So I'm just like, man, now I'm really stressing. I don't know what I'm going to do now. And the thing is, I've got a phobia when it comes to, I don't know, I was talking with Hamish, I've got a bit of a phobia with preaching with an iPad or a um, Samsung Note, he said it's because i got a Samsung Note. Um, <laughs> so, what I did was, okay, I remembered my friend lived about two Ks away, so I'm going to hop in the car and go to his house and use his printer. So I hop in my car, and then all of a sudden my battery's dead. Oh, yeah. and I'm looking at the time, and I'm supposed to be at this church in an hour, okay? I'm stressing out and I still have to go all the way, I live in Silverdale, I have to go all the way through to, um, all the way from Albany to Silverdale, Um, I live in Albany, sorry, and my fiancee lives in Silverdale, so I have to go all the way to hers as well. So eventually I managed to get my sister up and jumpstart my car, from there I went to go and print off my sermon, got dressed in time, picked it up and it was an awesome, it was an awesome experience preaching it. And it just reminded me, today I woke up, I had the most peaceful of sleeps. I woke up, and the beautiful thing is where, my, where the kitchen and the lounge is located, it's got these beautiful um, wooden floors. And when the sun hits it, it's, it's just the most beautiful thing. It's breathtaking, right? And God kind of reminded me, He's just like, man, though you're walking through troub- troubles and tribulations half the time or whatever like that, um, and even if life's going good, you still move down, you still move forward in faith. So it reminded me that of this morning. So, cool. So I'm going to be preaching on Jesus, the true vine. If you guys have your Bibles, um, please turn to chapter 15, 1 to 8. And if you don't, no pressure because the Bible verse is over there. So let me me do it. Thank goodness I'm wearing my glasses. I can see over there as well. I am getting old. So, the vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already um, clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can be fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like the branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, whatever you, whatever you wish, and it will be yours. This is to my Father's glory, that, if you, bear, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be disciples <clears throat> so suppose you walk into your kitchen one morning right and then you found jesus sitting at your table the question is what would you do would you say jesus i'm thrilled to see you now i, I wish i had time to talk but right now i'm running late for work um, if, I, if I'm late for work another time, I'm going to get fired. Let me speak to you tonight when I have a chance, okay? So later you rush home from work, and then you run to the gym. Jesus is still sitting here. You run to the gym and dash out. But when you return from the gym, you find out the car needs your attention, the kids are busy screaming and you need to settle them down, the laundry needs folding. And before you know, you're just too tired to spend time with them. So you look at Jesus and maybe tomorrow. So you crawl into bed and you fall asleep. Of course, you probably think that if Jesus were to physically be in front of your house, um, physically in your house, you'd probably sit down and stop everything, right? Maybe you would, but maybe you wouldn't. But when you neglect to spend time with Christ in his word and prayer, you give him the impression that he's not important to you. Staying in daily communion with Jesus is the number one priority of a Christian's life. It's a key that opens a door to fruit-bearing, a blessing to this life and the next. So Jesus Christ is the vine, the true vine. The union of the human and divine natures and the fullness of the Spirit that is in him, resembles the root of the vine, made fruitful by moisture from the rich soil. Believers are the branches to this vine. The root is unseen, and our life is hid in Christ. The root bears the tree, and in Christ are all the supports and supplies. The branch of the vine are many, yet meeting in the root are all one with the vine. Thus, all true Christians, though sometimes distant from one another, another, meet with Christ, or meet in Christ. Believers, like the branches of the vine, are weak and unable to stand up on their own. The Father tends to the vineyard. Never has a vineyard worker been so wise, so watchful um, of his vineyard. As God is with his church, which will and must prosper, we must be fruitful. From the vine, we look for grapes, and from a Christian, we look for a Christian temper and how they compose themselves in life. We must honor God and do this through bearing fruit. The unfruitful are taken away, and even fruitful branches need pruning, even, when the best, even amongst the best of us, we all have quirks, passions, and humors that require to be taken away. The word of Jesus is spoken to all believers. And there is a cleansing virtue in that word as it works out corruption in our lives. The more fruit we bear means the more our Lord Jesus Christ is glorified. In order to be fruitful, we must abide in Christ and must have a union with Him by faith. It is a great concern of all Jesus' disciples constantly to keep up dependence on Him and be constant in our communion with Him. True Christians, by experience, that if you don't, if you if have an interruption with exercising your faith, the pursuit for godliness declines. Those who do not abide in Jesus, though they may look to flourish for a while, and I think we've all experienced this, ultimately it comes to nothing. The fire is the best place for withered branches. They are good for nothing else. Let us seek to live more like Christ and grow more fruitful in everything we do. So the question is, what will it take to bear fruit? You can see here. So number one, pruning, which is found in verse two. So many Christians have had a great experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. They're excited and, you know, they're, kind of, they, they're, they're growing in different directions and ways. But then suddenly, the vine dresser comes and brutally prunes away the growth that is not needed. Number two, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear, what? More fruit found in John 15 too. When this happens, it is easy to get upset and discouraged. I thought I was doing so well, and now most of what I'm what excited about, I just can't be bothered, and it's been taken away from me. This exciting emphasis on Christian life does not work out in practice. So this parable in John um, 15, in chapter 15, is about the three persons of the Trinity. For effective fruit... Bearing, um, We need a structural faith connected with Jesus, the Son of God. But we also need the vital inner life of the Spirit coming to do in us what we could never do in our own willpower. And all we need to do, and we need to welcome the painful pruning of the Father. On the one hand, He is so tender and the most loving of parents, And he cares, but he also cares for our effectiveness as well, producing an abundance of good fruit. He will not let us run around like headless chickens, wasting our energy in different directions. So when the pruning knife cuts us back, rather than fuss, kick up a fit cry, and try to regain what we've lost, we relax in the Father's care. I know, guys, this is... Much easier said than done. I can honestly say I've witnessed God pruning in my own life. I remember, for example, I mean, when I was 21 years old, um, this is just before um, the law was passed that you can't talk on your phones. Um, Geez, I'm getting old. Um, I got a call. I I was driving. I was driving a big pajero with massive bull bars. And I got a call that my grandpa passed away in hospital. So, and from there I was so upset I started I burst out in tears and I ran a red light and I hit a lady in her car and she broke her collarbone and through that process, I had to go to court quite a few times like i've never been in trouble with the law ever you know before that stage i've never I've never had the tensions at school believe it or not I got away with them all you know but i've never been in trouble so that was a tr- that was a really trial t- um, trialing time for me. And what more so, I was even more angry because my grandfather was a pastor, right? And what happened was the doctors gave him wrong medication and it essentially poisoned his body and he passed away. He was 80 years old, right? But the thing is, two weeks before, he went for a medical and they said, man, you're as strong as an ox. You've got the body insides of a 50-year-old. Right? So I was, I was going through this trialing process. I was upset. So when it's going on, our natural response in the pain is to ask God, why am I going through this? Why? But I challenge my, you, my brothers and sisters here today, that rather than asking why God, ask the Lord, what are you trying to teach me? The parable of the vine and the branches give us the assurance that however weak and frail we are, God the Trinity can and will produce beautiful fruit in our lives. It's not a question of willpower of any kind or self-effort. All that is needed is confident, abiding, and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. Now, clause to that it does not mean that we become passive and lazy. For the vine to produce big, fat bunches of grapes, it is a lot of hard work. As Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Philippians 2, 12-13. And for the branch, God's good pleasure for bearing much fruit, The vine wood is totally useless for any other purpose. So the question we have to ask is, how does pruning occur? A, by trimming. Basically, essentially going through trials. B, by going through um, all sorts of tests, by shaping. And C, cleaning. What I mean by cleaning is by conviction through God's word, which is the grand instrument of purifying the soul. So most of us would like to believe that we know um, what is needed for a tree to be grow big and strong and, and nice and successful, right? To produce enough oxygen to sustain both animal and human life. We know that it needs really rich, nice soil. We know that it needs nutrients. We know that it needs to be watered. And not only that, we know that it needs sunlight. So experiment that was done was um, people at NASA, they wanted to see if... They could grow, uh, um, grow plants and trees in outer space. So, okay, cool. So they gave it water. They gave it nutrients. They gave it sunlight. Uh, everything that we expect a t- plant to grow up really well. But what was interesting was the trees did not grow tall and thrive. It had everything it's needed. They were missing one vital thing, however. Wind. And resistance. Without wind, the tree did not send its roots deep down, and therefore could not grow tall and strong and produce enough oxygen for the experimental life bubble. What's interesting is I think we are a lot like the tree. We are given everything that man knows that a child should need to grow up healthy and strong, without resistance, trials, tribulations, the child will become weak and fall when the first windstorm comes along. One of my professors, Mark McConnell, used to say, even as pianos need constant tuning and servicing, not only when young and raw, but through through their careers of being used for brilliant concerts, so people who are being used as instruments for righteousness, or in other words, Living creative, fruitful lives need a constant refreshing tuning. For us, pruning is a bit like losing your favorite blanket. Or in my case, I've got this tattered old T-shirt that I will not throw away. Denial wants me to throw that thing away, but it gives me a sense of comfort. It reminds me of my teen days, you know, my glory days, my rugby days. But the thing is, it makes us more reliant of God when we get rid of these things. In our own and it stops us from using our own desires as crutches. And let me go further to say, relationships and marriage as well. So the purpose of verse two is to bear more fruit. Two, abiding or staying connected firmly, here it is found in verse four and five. But what does abiding actually mean? And how do we both be in the vine and the vine in us? I find this explanation actually very helpful. The branch abides in the vine structurally. And the vine abides in the branch vitally. What picture does this actually give us? Abiding gives us a picture of being grafted or embedded. Here we see Jesus exhorting us to be implanted as a branch to him who is the vine. There again, so what does this mean? It means Jesus is explaining that he is our life source and strength. Without him, we are lifeless and unfruitful. So there are many different reasons for which grafting is used, okay? First of all, it's to increase the growth rate of seedlings and to repair damaged plants. Now, if my dad was hearing that, he would absolutely be smiling from ear to ear because he loves plants, right? He had a property care business and he, absolut- he would smile. For me, I just couldn't give a stuff, but I unfortunately retained something. Just like damaged plants with brown leaves and lying sick, almost totally dead, we were dead to our sins before we were saved or grafted into the vine. In order to be grafted, um, in order for the grafting process to be successful, four things must take place. Number one, the stem and the main vine must be compatible. Two. Each must be the proper physiological age or stage. Three, the inner layers of the stem and the main vine must meet. And four, the graft union must be kept and taken care of until the wound is fully healed. So the application for us to be grafted into Christ is, number one, we must be compatible with the will of the Father. That is to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to know that he is the only way to the Father in heaven. Two, we must be at the proper stage, which is we must come to realization that we are totally and completely lost without Christ and that we need him in order to be saved. Number three, we must come to the Lord in faith and he will meet us there but we must reach out in faith believing. Number four, and finally number four, the graft union must be kept. We cannot keep ourselves, just as the grafted stem cannot keep itself connected to the vine. We are kept by the Father. With things in place now through faith, we are ready to be grafted in. So in the process of draft, grafting, um, the grafting process, one takes the limp half-dead, damaged plant or stem and grafts it into the main vine and by that process it will live and in time produce much fruit. So but in order for the grafting process to work, the main vine must be cut and sliced so that the dead stem can be placed inside and draw nourishment from it. Without the cut, the stem cannot be connected to the main vine. And draw life from it. The Father looked down with compassion on us, half dead, hopeless, damaged, drying souls, and had love and mercy for us. God took and gave life by grafting us into the main vine, which is who? Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, guys. Come on, it's awesome. For what Jesus did for us so that we could be grafted into Him, dying on the cross for us, so we can be grafted into the true vine. So now the question is, are we grafted in Christ? But we have a serious problem now, getting connected. By nature, we are branches of an evil wild vine. Satan is a wild vine, vine, and we must somehow be transferred, grafted from Satan to Jesus. Paul helps us to understand the grafting process in Romans chapter 11. He points out that we need to be cut away from the old, connections and be grafted into christ now the stem has been grafted into the main vine the old leaves should be cut back the total leaf service of the old variety that continue to grow on that stem should also be gradually taken away as the new ones increase until the end of one or two years here again my dad will give me such a pat on the back eventually the new variety has completely taken over the old variety However, completely removing all the leaves or limbs of the old variety at one time increases shock to the stem. It takes time for the new to completely take over. After being grafted into the vine or after we are born again, the father understands that we we still have old flesh to contend with. So little by little, day by day, He cuts away the old variety or nature as we draw strength from the vine. He doesn't expect us to just change in one day and start producing all this bountiful amount of fruit. Just like a newborn baby, we must get nourishment and learn day by day. God in His infinite mercies is so patient with us and He helps us to move along in this journey. Just like the grafted stem, day by day we draw strength and we learn. The old stem has been grafted, to the main vine is now alive and strong enough and with time it will produce and bear fruit, something it could never do if it was to remain by itself. But the problem is that people today, or people in general, we, some people or many people are only outwardly connected to Jesus. They have been baptized They can sing the creeds. They can sing worship songs. Even learn to play worship songs as good as Nate. um, Listen to sermons. Even preach sermons. Work in the church and even take communion, right? What they miss is the inner life of the Spirit. In this case, the Holy Spirit corresponds to the sap coming out into those dead-looking vine branches, giving them nutrients needed to grow and to produce beautiful fruit. Apart from the inner life, the branches remain absolutely lifeless. What's interesting is sometimes you can see a dead branch on a vine when the other branches are growing beautiful leaves with little grapes. Perhaps an insect, sin, has blocked off the sap. And it is only a matter of time before the branch turns brittle and has to be broken off. Jesus said, if you do not remain in me, you're like a dead branch that is thrown away into the fire and burned. This is found in verse six. This is one of the reasons why so many Christians, I think, get discouraged. They try very hard to produce love, joy, peace, and other fruits of the spirit. And after a few years, they find that they're making no real progress at all. They feel lifeless. And the church is an absolute bore. So they become frustrated, get annoyed. And what's interesting enough, you just don't see them at church anymore. They've had an outward connection with Jesus. But they haven't learned the secret of letting the Spirit abide in them. But then the day comes when they begin to feel the inrush of the Holy Spirit of God. And then they know they can relax and let the fruit come eventually. When the Spirit is working in us, we find the Word of God becomes an absolute joy. And it is so effective in our lives. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. In chapter 7. The reason such a prayer is answered is because longing is first, that longing that you have is given to you by the Holy Spirit. And it is bound according to God's good will. When a branch feels that the sap is beginning to push out the new shoot or leaf or branches, that desire to grow is given for the one purpose of effective fruit bearing. On the other hand, prayers that we think up according to our own agenda, our own will, is very unlikely what God has in mind for us. The purpose of being on the branch and on the vine and abiding in Christ is that you bear much fruit. I can't make this point more... Then what I have will emphasize, you must remain remain in Christ and you will feel an abundant fruit bearing in your life. Your life will be full of fruit that pleases Christ and the Father. It is because remaining in Christ, you will be a healthy Christian, full of his life, grace and strength. It is healthy branches that produce fruit. It is healthy believers who produce godly character and godly conduct. That is what God, the Father, and Jesus wants for us. He doesn't want scrawny branches that produce sickly or diseased fruit, but vibrant branches that produce abundant fruit, the fruit of a Christian, a hearty faith, a bold confession, a faithful witness before men, godly virtues, confident prayer, and obedient heart. So you have to ask, What is the purpose for abiding with the vine? A, it is life-giving. It is eternal. B, foundational, support through the union of Christ. And C, bearing fruit to give all glory to God and to serve his disciples. On January the 9th, 1985, there was a pastor in China and his name was Brother Yun. He was arrested and put in jail. His crime was preaching in his church, just like I am right now. The secular committee who runs the village put a new pastor in, even though the congregational church doesn't recognize the pastors, but the ones that they elect and install. So he preached, and they threw him in jail immediately. And then he immediately began to share Christ and make the truth known while he was in prison. He had a trial. He was sentenced to eight months, and he did his eight months, got out, and wrote these words. Listen carefully here. Both prisoners and jailers asked many questions, and we had a more fruitful ministry there than we could have ever expected in a church. God is better served by our presence in prison than if we had ever been free. Hmm. So the purpose found in verse 4 is to bear fruit. The result found in verse 8 is A, to glorify God the Father, B, to bear much fruit, and to C, be Christ's disciples. But there are four degrees of fruit bearing. Number one, pretty simple, no fruit. It doesn't bear any fruit, which is found in verse 2. Number two, fruit. (laughs) We're bearing fruit, now found in verse 2 again. Three, more fruit, found in verse 2. And four, much fruit, found in verse 5 and 8. But there's also a big warning for being unfruitful. A, you're taken away, cut off, and cast away, which we find there again in verse 2. B, wither up and dry up, there again, and we find that in verse 6. C, thrown away into the fire to be burned, found in verse 6 once again. It's interesting to know that fire is often symbolic of divine judgment. Jesus says we are, they are not true Christians. That's what was Judas, for example. He did not abide in Christ, though he appeared for a time to belong to the vine. At some point, all hypocrites cut themselves off from the contact of the vine. They forsake his word. They forsake his people, his church and any association and activity that is Christian. Look at what happens to them. They are cast away, rejected as a branch, so they wither. Spiritually, they have dried up and died. Then comes the worst part. Jesus is referring to the judgment when all the false branches are gathered up, or should I say dry branches are gathered up and cast into everlasting damnation, and they burn forever. My dear brothers and sisters here today, this is a serious warning for us all. The sin, the sin of not abiding in Christ is in our very nature. Remember that. In the light of what happens to some, Jesus calls us, Abide in me. Do not be complacent and careless with your spiritual life. Remain in Christ. But how do we do that? And what is involved in abiding in the vine? I've, we've already alluded to some things. Notice that Christ points out to the importance of his word abiding in us in verse 7. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, you shall shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. By the power of Christ's word, of course, um, that we are saved in the first place. By his power of the word that we are placed on Christ's vine, as branches. Now Jesus is actually saying that it is the same word abiding in us That we will abide in Him and He in us. That means that when you and I, that you and I must be diligent to have Christ's Word abide in us. But how does that take place? By taking the Word of Christ through preaching, through Bible study, personal devotion, or even the sacraments of baptism, which is uh, and the Lord's Prayer. Then, too, by living that with the Word by keeping its sayings. If we understand, apply this passage correctly, it will vitally turn our priorities upside down. Before I end, I wanted to say, there's a challenge for us in this day and age, I think, especially against my generation. Say, actually, the wider wider generation sort of thing, is the fact that we're so distracted in this day and age. You know? Uh, The fact that we have technology, our phones, we have access to our phones, We can check our emails whenever we want. We check our texts whenever we want. And the challenge of us is, are we strong enough to be able to sit there for half an hour, a little bit longer if you want, or even 15 minutes, and spend time in the presence of God? Most people can't even do that. They say that most people, 30 seconds, have a serious urge to check their emails or their status on Instagram or Facebook. But I challenge you guys, please, I challenge you guys to just... Discipline yourself to be able to spend 15, 20 minutes, half an hour just basking in the presence of God. Because I'll tell you one thing, these devices and though how amazing they are at times or checking your Instagram or Facebook, or whatever, like it dulls you to God's presence. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you so much for what you've done for us, Lord. Thank you so much for giving your son um, for us on the cross lord so that we can be plugged into the vine lord and just reap everlasting life with you lord thank you so much for you love us and thank you so much for the fact that we can come here today lord and be in your presence lord without the fear of persecution and just just enjoy each other's company lord it's such a blessing lord and each and every one of us i just ask you just give us each a blessing and take care of us as we uh, meet up here again next sunday lord for this, we pray in Jesus' in precious name. Amen.